What we're going to do this morning as we turn to God's Word is a little different than what we've done in other weeks, but I think maybe for our purposes this morning it will be a little more effective, or that's my prayer anyway. This is what I did in Kenya when I delivered this message a couple of different uh, times, and again, I've kind of tweaked it a little bit for, for the local context here, but the message applies wherever we are on God's earth. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the whole passage up front um, beforehand. We're going to read it as we go through uh, the word today. So I'll start out and then read a section, say a few more words, read a section, say a few more words, read a section. That's going to be our approach to the word this morning. But if you want to open your Bibles, if you have a paper copy there that you want to open up, we're going to be in John chapter four. That's on page one thousand and fifty six in the Pew Bible. Um, but it is also uh, printed in our bulletin today. But again, because uh, the way we're, the format I'm going to uh, do this morning, it's after uh, the sermon notes section. Um, you'll, you'll notice it there on page 13 and 14. <clears throat> well, when we were in Kenya, me and Tim, and we'll talk a lot more again about this in a couple of weeks. I'm kind of just giving you little snippets here as we go along. It's a very impactful time in my life, and I'm grateful to many of you who are praying for me and Tim while we were away. Um, but we'll share a lot more about the trip in a couple of, of weeks. But when we were there, one of the things, one of the um, thoughts, ideas, concepts, whatever, that came up over and over again was clean water, the need for Good, clean water. So it's something that we thought about a lot and came back to a lot. And in Kenya, it was uh, especially felt because there's so little of it in Kenya. We got a taste of that just recently here in our town, right, with the boil order, with the floods. I don't fully understand how all of that happens, but the bottom line is that our water was not safe for drinking. And so there was a boil order. Well, in Kenya, this is everywhere. Now, almost no matter where you go, unless you have a, a deep uh, drilled well, most of the water there is not safe for drinking, or at least in the places where we were. So one of the theme verses from our time there in Kenya was Proverbs twenty five twenty five, And no doubt Tim will tell you about this uh, when he comes in a couple of weeks. He would... I want to spoil it, but uh, ties in with what I'm saying today. And he'll share more from his, in his own words, in his own way when he comes. Uh, but he would always have a bottle of water, good, clean drinking water, and he would hold it up whenever he would stand before the people to speak, which was quite a bit in, in Kenya. And he would share, he would say, good news from a distant land is like cold water to a parched throat. And he would say, we've come from a distant land and we've come to bring you good news about the kingdom of God. And he would share that over and over again. But that there was such a, a felt, poignant illustration. And maybe it is even for us right now in the middle of some of the things we've been, we've been facing. Water is so very important and it is not to be lost on us that the gospel, that the good news of God's kingdom is likened to water, to good, clean 
water that gives life and quenches the thirst. This would have been understood very readily by the woman in our story in John chapter 4. This is a story of of a woman who is a Samaritan. And this woman had many problems, many troubles, many burdens. And she comes to the well one day, because again, in that time and in that place, this would have been regular practice. You would go to the well regularly to draw out water, because that's where you got your water. And it would have been hot and arid and a dry climate. It wasn't necessarily in great abundance in some places And you have to go and you have to have a well to access good drinking water. And this woman, of course, like everyone else, was thirsty, right? Like you and I often are thirsty. And she comes. But she had a number of problems, the least of which was her thirst, right? She did have access to water. But she had a number of problems. She was not welcome at the well. This was a woman who was an immoral woman, a woman who had had many troubles and broken relationships. And at that time and place, again, a very religious and what you might say a moral uh, society and culture for someone who had had trouble and relationships, often they were outcasted and they were on the fringes of, of the communities. And that would have been the case for this woman. So when the other Uh, Women of the community would go to draw out water, usually in the cooler time of day, maybe in the morning or in the evening. This woman was not welcome. So that might be a place where you would have community, right? For us, maybe it's at the co-op or at the school or at our place of work or maybe a school. Um, Wherever you find community, this would have been one of those places in that time. The well would be a place to catch up and share the burdens and struggles of the day to celebrate or to connect with friends. This woman was unable to do that. She was an outcast. She was on the fringes of that community because of her many broken relationships. So she comes to the well in the heat of the day when it's uncomfortable to be there and likely comes alone most of the time, and that was strategic because she was not often welcome. So she comes, and she comes carrying a heavy burden of her past and all of these things that I've I've shared about maybe being lonely. Some of the men we were talking about this this morning at men's group, right? The need for community and friendship, and how many of us are lonely. This woman would have felt that in a very real way. There was no social media in that time and place to build new community or relationships. She was stuck in this place. And her sins and her past and burdens would have almost always been before her whenever she came to the well. But one day she comes to the well And someone's there. She's going to have an encounter with someone that's going to leave her different forever. And after this encounter, she will never be the same. She comes and has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is there. 
Before we get into the details of what Jesus is going to say and do there, it is worth pointing out that Jesus is a Jew. This woman is a Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. At least that's what they were told. That was their past. She's going to find out that Jesus is a different kind of person, a different kind of Jew, perhaps. One who is filled with love and compassion and does not draw lines in places where we tend to draw lines. So she comes to get water. She's dealing with all she's dealing with. And now there's this Jew at the well to spice up the story just a little bit, right? When I was in Kenya, the one of the things I learned as I explored the culture and got to know people was that I think there's 42 or 43 different tribes in Kenya. Not all of them get along, as you might imagine, right? There's tribal disagreements and cultural differences, even though same country and many of the same values and ideas are common uh, tribe to tribe. They don't all get along. And so this also very much resonated with them as I shared about uh, tribes and groups that have troubles getting along. So she comes to the well, and here is this Jewish man. And she's going to have an encounter with Jesus. And what I want to suggest to all of you uh, today, to those of you who might be listening online or those here in the room, that an encounter with Jesus is something you can have too. And you can have it right now. Jesus is here. He's speaking. He's present. Listen. Pay attention. Maybe this will be the day you will be different like this woman was after her encounter. Well, there's three things that I hope you'll see from our passage today. Three big things that I want to say. The first one is this, is that Jesus meets us in our problems. Jesus meets us in our problems. And we're going to see this in verses, I'm going to read 1 through 7 really quickly. If you want to turn there, or maybe you've already got it open since I've invited you to have it open. Um, and it's there in the bulletin. I'm just going to read these few verses here. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. That would have been um, around noontime. Again, this is hot part of the day. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This woman had come to the well thirsty and troubled, and now she's being given orders from a Jewish person nonetheless. (laughs) It's fascinating the way Jesus works. She was thirsty and troubled, very few friends. And yet here is this Jewish man. And what we're going to see as the story goes on is that Jesus cares. 
Jesus very much cares for her and for her troubles. And he speaks to her. That's the first sign uh, that Jesus is different, is the mere fact that he speaks. As she goes on to say, you know, Jew, or it's, I think it's in parenthesis, Jews and Samaritans don't speak to each other. They don't have dealings with each other, right? They avoid each other. Jesus here engages. Now let's turn to verses 16 to 19 really quickly. So skip down just a little bit here. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So what is Jesus doing here? He shows up. He's at the well. This one, it's hot. This woman has a lot of problems. Very broken life. It's thirsty. And here's this Jewish person, right? Here's this guy from that group. You know, whoever that group is for you. Maybe it's Republicans. Maybe it's Democrats. I don't know. That's, that's a very fresh uh, kind of thing we all deal with, right, in different ways. But you're someone that's from a different group, right? Or someone that you don't see eye to eye with or has, you know, a story you don't understand maybe. And they're there at the well. And to top it off, they start talking to you and engaging you. And they bring up some sore stuff, some stuff that's, not easy or comfortable. What's going on here? Here's a, a burdened woman, have, has lots of troubles, and Jesus starts in on this. What's going on here? Jesus is engaging her. And he's not just engaging her, but he's engaging her about her problems. About her problems. Why is Jesus doing this? Is he being mean? Is he being harsh, stirring up trouble? Is he trying to make her uncomfortable and just, just for the sake of making her uncomfortable? No, that is not what Jesus is doing. Jesus shows up, as I think many of us in here would agree, Jesus shows up. This is a divine appointment, right? Jesus is well aware and knows this woman is going to be there at this time. And yes, He's there to quench his own thirst. He was fully human, dealt with the things we deal with. But in his mind, being also God, he knew she was going to be there. This is a divine appointment. Jesus is on a mission here. And he's going to engage her about some things that she needs uh, to know about. Jesus is drawing out her problems. We're going to see this in a moment. So that... He can show love and care for her, yes, but also reveal to her that these are not actually her real problem. That these things are the surface, that these things that perhaps are really difficult and hard and obviously troubles and real problems, they're not her deepest problem. There's something even deeper that she needs to think about. And if that problem can be addressed and many of the others will perhaps come too. So this leads us to our second point. First point, Jesus meets us in our problems. This is a divine appointment. He's there in the midst of her pain and her trouble. And he engages her. Jesus doesn't say, 
man, would you look at the weather? You know, oh, did you see, you know, the, I don't know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees' softball game yesterday. Man, those Sadducees got a good crowd, a good, a good team this year. No, I mean, maybe they made small talk and it's just not here. But Jesus is on a mission and he engages her about some deeper stuff, doesn't he? Yes. Why? Because he wants to, he's on a mission and has um, a, an objective here. So that leads us to our second point. Jesus reveals our deepest problem. Our deepest problem. He meets us in our problems and he opens our eyes to see our deepest problem. We're going to see this in verses 8 to 13. If you read with me here. So Jesus' disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And he's there by the well with this Samaritan woman. And Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's my prayer for each of you today is that you would ask Jesus for a drink. Give me a drink, Jesus. I need this living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And here Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Jesus is speaking to our deep, deep problem. The woman was thirsty. Her body was thirsty, but her soul was also thirsty, dying even for a drink from the waters of life. She was seeking to quench her thirst with things that couldn't quench her thirst. That's called sin. That's what you and I do all the time. Some of us do it in ways that are more obvious than others, like this woman, right? Everyone knew her struggles and her sins. Some of us are better at hiding our sins, but they're still there. We're seeking for life in places where it can't be found. And that is what sin is. When we seek to find life apart from God, when we look to the wells of this world to quench our thirst. And the wells of this world are like those broken cisterns, those water tanks that leak and can't hold water and can't really give us the life we so long for. And all of us do this. And when we're born, we naturally seek to find life apart from God. We come into this world with a sin nature. And we're bent and broken. And we do this all the time. This is our deepest and biggest problem. And this is what Jesus is seeking to show this woman. Yeah, you've got these other problems for sure. 
But those are really a manifestation, a result of the deeper issue that our hearts are idle factories, that we are constantly looking for life apart from God. We want meaning and purpose and fulfillment and pleasure and life without God. Or sometimes we want God, but only to kind of to add to our kingdom or our thing we got going on. Not really to seek Him for who He is and to do things the way He desires of us. Sure, there are many problems, and this woman had a laundry list of them, but these are not her greatest problems, and they're not our greatest problems either. Sin is our great problem because it separates us from God, and God is the source of all good. If you have sinned even one time, you are separated from God without hope, even once. And you and I, everything we do apart from Christ, everything is tainted by our sin. It's not until we come to Him and He gives us that new heart with new desires and new strength that we can truly please God and live rightly before Him. But as this woman talked with Jesus, she began to see not only that Jesus was someone unique. This isn't just some, you know, random Jewish man by the well. This is a unique person unlike any other. And she began to see her problem was that she actually preferred. And this is kind of what I'm getting at here. She actually preferred the dirty water. She preferred sin. And that's you and I's problem. We come out doing this naturally, wanting the sin. And this is what Jesus wanted her to see, that the big problem was her heart. Not the heat, not her broken relationships, but her heart. And only Jesus can give her a new heart. And that leads us to our third big thing I want us to see today. Jesus is the solution to our problems, right? So we've heard the bad news that this is our tendency, that we're prone to this, that, that we just create idols, that we seek life in everything but God. And even at times when we seek life in God, we're doing it for our reasons and with wrong motive and all of that. And this is just natural to us. But thanks be to God that He has given us solutions. There's good news. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the solution to our problems. If you will now look with me at verse 14 in our passage today. I'll read verse 13 again. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus is saying is that he he will put a new heart in us with new desires and with a new compass and a right understanding of life and what our calling and purpose is and what God desires of us. And we'll be like drinking fresh, pure, clean water for the first time. 
This is what Jesus can do for each of us. Jesus tells her as long as she drinks from the polluted wells of the world, she will never be satisfied. She must come to him and you must come to him to have this life. Jesus offers us more than a mere drink. He offers us a well, a spring within our own souls. He gives us new hearts with new desires. And of course, His Holy Spirit even. The Spirit of God will live within us and dwell within us and strengthen us and help us and guide us. I want to continue reading. If you'll turn or go past that section where Jesus is talking to her about her broken relationships. Look at verse 19. I'm just going to read the rest of the passage here for us. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she's beginning to see that this Jesus is unique, different. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And here she's starting to clue in. This is so powerful just to see it unfolding right before our eyes here. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus comes out and says, I'm the answer. I'm the one you want. I'm the one who's been promised and who's coming. I'm the solution. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with this woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? You ever feel like that? Like you can't talk to some things you can't talk to Jesus about? Don't feel like that, right? That's wrong. The disciples should have felt free. Jesus was their friend and their Lord and loved them. We should talk to him about everything. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Already, she's different. Maybe where she was lonely and feeling disconnected from community, suddenly she has new boldness to go and say, here's someone who might be the answer to our longings and our problems. He's already transforming her life just after one encounter. So Jesus offers that same experience, that same change of heart to you. We'll give you a new heart, cleansed from sin, and we can come once again into the presence of God, be welcomed as sons and daughters of the King. No longer separated, no longer at a distance, but a friend of God. Only Jesus can do this for her and for you and me. So I want to ask you, 
I think we'd all say this literally, and I hope spiritually as well. Literally, we're tired of having to boil our water, right? We're tired of, of the things we've been dealing with literally before us the last couple of weeks, right? Dealing with the dirty water. But spiritually, are you tired of seeking life where it cannot be found? Has it worn you out? Are you tired of the polluted, sinful waters of the world that cannot satisfy? That in the end only leave you emptier. Come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Hear his words today. He says, if you would have known who I was, you'd have asked me for a drink. And I would have given you living water. Do that now. Say, Jesus, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm empty. I'm hungry. I feel like a mess. I've got all these troubles and I don't even know where to begin. Will you help me? Will you satisfy me? And I think all of us would say if that deep soul thirst that we talked about last week, that soul burden, that soul thirst, if that's met and if that is satisfied and quenched, then we can deal with the other things, right? It may not be easy, certainly. Life is filled with troubles. But if that one, that deepest one can be met, then we can be grateful no matter where we are. That is the kind of change that Jesus offers to you right now in this moment. Don't delay. Come to Jesus. Come to him. Say, give me this water of life. No need to fix yourself up. Notice how Jesus didn't require that of this woman. He didn't say, go get your act together and then come back and then we'll talk. No, he met her in her mess, in her troubles, in her brokenness, and in fact engaged her on that level. Jesus will do the same for you. Come to him today. He will receive you. All you have to do is ask him, trust him. I trust you, Jesus. I believe you. I hear you. Satisfy my heart. Amen. This is the word of God for us today. Now, as we transition to a song of response, I'd like to pray. I think that would be good. I'm going to turn uh, to God in song and music, but first let's pray. Lord, we hear your word, and God, we, like so many things, like so many of our earthly problems, we feel powerless. We look at our mess and we say, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to do. How, how do I fix this broken thing? And maybe we feel like that with our relationship with you too. We come and we say, I don't know what to do, God. But I know I'm a mess and I know I'm lonely and I know I'm, I'm empty and I know I'm a sinner and I know I've, I'm not who I should be, but I don't know what to do. Many people perhaps listening to this feel that way today. Well, that is no doubt where this woman was standing before Jesus all her sin laid bare all her troubles were known and yet he received her and accepted her and that can be for us too is for us too we just come and we say I have nothing to give you Jesus 
You have everything to give me. Please satisfy my heart and meet me. I trust you. God, would that be each person's prayer here today and those that are watching? Whatever our problems, whatever our story, meet us, I pray, with your marvelous grace. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.